on this episode of Why Watch That. You've seen him live and die. We'll just say that. He's one of the characters who lives and dies. There's a message. And the message says, your wife is in love with someone else. What? So they're about to get married and they're going to do it on the concert stage. Oh, this is a major event. Everybody can't wait to see it. Like Ryan really started the modern rom-com and then it went to Julia Roberts. Now we have J-Lo. Yes. Who knows who's oh, coming next? Oh, of course, next. Julia Roberts. How in the yes. world did I forget your girl? Now, you, but hey, now, you know I ain't going to forget. I know you won't. And this brother-in-law is a guru. He writes self-help books. The latest one is The You You Are. <laughs> okay. Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, Watch That. that. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But... <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? (laughs) uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) right, right. (laughs) Well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So, Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. A Why Watch That First Look. All right, everybody. We've got a TV talk for you. And it definitely will not disappoint if you're looking for a return of an old favorite. Because we snuck around. But other things are pretty much, you know... Stuff that you can check out. So we'll see. You'll, you'll get our take on it, but it's stuff you can check out. Yeah. So some let's, movies too, though. And there's there's movies. There's <laughs> sneak peek. There's just lots of stuff. Stuff you can check out. Oh, that's that's all we're we're gonna. I'm gonna say about it at least. <laughs> let's let's first let's get rid of the movies. Let's get that off our plate because mm. really, what drives us back to content is television but movies are not going anywhere and so we got a chance to see a first look now this is not a sneak peek this is a first look it's already out there if you are brave enough to venture out into the theaters um (laughs) especially after the super bowl uh good luck to that oh oh. i'm not i'm not look at look at that look at that people the la people talk about super bowl you know what? Listen, I, I, you know where I am, and I certainly will not be venturing out for the next couple of days, um, even though I'm proud of, of, of the accolades. But here, let's talk about this new movie that is out 
somewhat new. It's called A Taste of Hunger. You know, when I when I first saw that title, I was thinking about Steve McQueen. I t- this is not it. I do not want to make that broad association, but um, A Taste of Hunger is in theaters as of the last of January. It is a movie by Christopher Bowe, and he also wrote it, along with Tobias Lindel. And the cast is interesting, to be honest with you, because I don't know many of them. Now, some faces are very, very familiar, and then some are not. And you're going to probably tell us why. Some of these people you know, critic, probably way more than I do, but... I don't know everybody quite that well. And uh, except for this, one of these particular um, actors who I've seen pop it up everywhere, but it's starring a cast that I can only assume is more well-known other places. We'll just say that. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to butcher this poor man's name, but it's there is a way to say it, I'm sure, properly, but it's uh, Nikolai... I'm going to just say it like that. Or is it Nikolaj? Coaster Walden. And I just put a J at the end of this. He's a Danish actor, but you've seen him in stuff. So don't don't you. Well, yes. And (laughs) you've seen him live and die. We'll just say that. He's one (laughs) of the characters who lives and dies. Um, And then you also see, you know, uh, Katrine Grease, Rosenthal, you know, you Charlie Gustafson, a, a ton of people who are popping in who are more like indie cross the pond people who are starring in this mysterious show. So we love culinary projects, but do we love this? Yeah. And, <sighs> you know, you got to read some subtitles here. Now they have different parts. There's sweet, there's sour, there's fat, there's salt, there's heat. Oh, following following that cuisine kind of language. And we're in Denmark. And what happens is we track a day of a supposed Michelin review. Now, if you know your high-end restaurants, you get a Michelin star. Ooh, just one star. If you can get more than one, what I mean, who knows what people would give to get more than one star? Now, So they think that the Michelin reviewer is coming, but you know, the Michelin reviewer is anonymous. You're not supposed to know. But something unforgivable happens that could jeopardize everything. Now, who are the players involved? It's a husband and a wife. Played by Nicolaj and Katrine. So their characters' names are Karsten and Maggie. Now, what happens is this. There's a message, and the message says, your wife is in love with someone else. What? So that's going on in Karsten's head. While Maggie is trying to fix this problem with the Michelin review, but what's her real motivation? Who sent the message? Is it true? And we also see flashbacks. We have how they meet. We see it before us. There's a party that's catered. He's cooking. What's she doing? And then they end up with two kids and they have this interloper and a restaurant. 
They have ambitions, but what's the cost? To the restaurant, to their family, and to themselves. So there's seduction here and passion and food and betrayal potentially. So the question is, what is going to be lost to achieve your dreams? Now, at times of this movie, you see neon colors. Ooh, what's that about? But what I wanted was a slightly sharper edit for the flashbacks. That would have kept things heightened to match the urgency of that Michelin day when they're trying to hunt down this reviewer, make sure everything's okay. The suspense is there, but it could be stronger. Now, their passion in all kinds of forms and the price of it, I wanted that to be in the driver's seat more often. We need to feel that hunger. Also, the focus on one of their kids' reaction to this whole trouble thing that's going on, it wasn't incorporated into the adult storyline smoothly enough. So the resolution, it felt too easy when you get to this revelation It was almost an afterthought. But this is what I would say. If you like to watch stuff about food, and as the ref hinted, you know, I always do. I mean, we go from the movie chef to chef's table, from Hannibal to no reservations even. And you want to see how that can be injected into a story about the pressures of a relationship? I would say streaming-wise, yes. Theater, not so sure. Just know that the parts about the food are the best, both story-wise and visually. And for the subtitles, they're pretty easy to follow. Well, there you have that. I, did you say, did you li- literally link Hannibal in with culinary? I did. Yes, I did. I, I, you know, I'm not interested in, in, in watching. <laughs> you know, that guy freaks me out. We already talked about this for many, many years. Um, do not get in the, actually, you know what? He's turned it around. So let's <sighs> stop that. Um, the worst person in the world. He is, that actor is not, but we're talking about this new film that, um, was released, at least if you're on the coast in, in New York or LA, it's, you can maybe find it in a theater. Um, yeah. It, it's, you know, it was released February 4th and there will be some expansion, but you still have to really dig around and, and look for this particular movie because it is an indie hit. Mm-hmm. People like it, but we're going to see what we, our thoughts are first. But it is directed by, this is Amora Across the Sea, <laughs> across the pond, um, not even the pond, across the way. Oh. Um, we'll say that. <laughs> it is directed by um, Joachim, or Joachim Trier. I, that's so bad. Um, Escovoit, and he wrote it. But the cast is also another one of those casts that you just not quite sure if you know them by name, mm-hmm. but perhaps you might recognize them. And I have a feeling we may be reading some subtitles. But mm-hmm. um, Renate um, Reins, Reinsev, um, Anders, Danielson Lie, and, and um, Herbert, I, I don't know if he's French or not, <laughs> but Herbert Nordrum is starring in this, among others. Tell us what The Worst Person in the World is about, because actually the real title is in Norwegian. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see that viewpoint. Who could, who could honestly be the worst person <laughs> in the world? Yeah, how does it pop up in the movie? I'm not going to tell you. No, dang it. Now, they are nominated for two Academy Awards this year. We'll see what comes of that. Even including Best Original Screenplay. Very interesting what's going on with the Academy now with its international expansion. So, yes, it's a Norwegian film. 
And we have really what's going on here is there are 12 chapters with a prologue and an epilogue. Now, these 12 chapters with this beginning and end, they follow Julie. And Julie starts off as a medical student. She's in Oslo. But does she stay a medical student? I mean, she keeps changing what she wants to do. And throughout the beginning, she tells her mother, oh, I'm doing this now. And her mother's like, "Okay, now I'm going to do this. And her mother's like, all right, where is she going to land? Photography, something else? Who knows? But over the course of time, she encounters a specific man. This man is older. Now, he has no problem telling her that. But they strike up a romance. And they are together for a long time. But over the course of time, she meets his family, he meets her family and so on. And they have a connection when it comes to family. Are they as close to certain family members as they'd like to be? Now, she decides one day to go on a little walk. I won't tell you why. And she walks herself into a party she is not invited to. She just helps herself and, you know, pretends like she's invited. And she's in this conversation with this mother and the mother's talking about, you know, raising kids. She's concerned about what she's hearing. And so Julie decides to pretend to be a medical expert and tells her about this study that's very disturbing to the mother, but hilarious to us and to a certain guest at the party. He is not a part of this conversation, but he's overhearing it and he's amused and he catches her eye but they're both in relationships. We know Julie's in one and he's in one as well. So they go through this whole, you know, cat and mouse kind of thing. What's cheating? Is this cheating? Is that? But they don't cheat. Now, what happens when they see each other again later on in the movie? Where are they as people? Where are their relationships? Is it going to be time for them to get together? And either way, what comes of it? And in the end for Julie... The question is, with these two guys, with her own life, what can she choose or is it too late to make certain choices? Because in the end, there is tragedy. I won't tell you how. Who's the worst person in the world exactly? Now, this movie spans four years of Julie's life. We see that. And really, it's, you know, what people say. Like what people actually say to each other, thinking they have all this time, and then it ends up being too late. It recalled for me, like early Woody Allen almost, even talking about your boy, Mads Mikkelsen, another round, which he was in as well. So if you like that kind of stuff, maybe my only thing is it. I think it needed a stronger edit. It was a bit too long, but... It does capture that kind of spirit. So that's the worst person in the world. Well, you know, now we're all itching to find out how this title plays out. But, you know, we'll see how it does in the um, awards uh, season, during the awards season. Now, Mm -hmm. let's go to another quick look, which I am quite frankly surprised that you're reviewing. I I really am. I know you're a fan of this, of her. Um, <laughs> I like I the know, choice of words there. <laughs> I know, I know these things. I've known you for a while now. And this is, you know, she's slowly taken over uh, Rachel 
you know, McAdams and, and those. Actually, she was way before that rom-com. Yeah. Um, so Meg Ryan really, uh, really helped pave the way mm-hmm. for that. And then Jennifer Lopez took over. But it's called Marry Me. Now, yes, you have, I mean, it's advertised everywhere. It's yeah. in the theaters. It's a J-Lo. You know, she's dating Ben Affleck. So, you know, it's just everywhere. Yeah. And everybody is, you know, just, if you're the kind of person who would drag a loved one out during Valentine's Day, you probably yeah. did it with J-Lo in mind. Now, this is by, um, this comes to us from Kat um Coro and John Rogers and Tammy um Sayer and Harper Dill helped write this Harper Dill what a great name yeah. um helped write this screenplay but surprisingly they say it's based on a graphic novel like yeah okay I'm <laughs> hyper curious but as I said it's starring J-Lo I mean you can't get any bigger than Jennifer Lopez when it comes to a good rom-com. And then Owen Wilson, who would have put these two together? Yeah, I mean, earlier we saw him put together with uh, Salma Hayek. And we mm-hmm. thought, what kind of pair is that? He's just been, his career has gotten a rejuvenation. Um, but he's not the only one in it. And you've got a ton of other wonderful young, bright actors and actresses who are making some comedians who are making um, some appearances, but really Marry Me is about Jennifer Lopez and and Owen Wilson. So how in the world, we know there's a concert involved, we know there's a heartbreak, and we know there's a spontaneous question. Yes, yeah. Marry me, marry me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Jennifer Lopez plays Cat. She is... A mega star singer. Shocker! She really went out of her wheelhouse with that one. Did she? And she is about to marry her boyfriend, who is also a superstar, played by Maluma. Bastion is his name. Sebastian, she says at one point, somebody doesn't like it. So they're about to get married, and they're going to do it on the concert stage. ho, ho. This is a major event. Everybody can't wait to see it. However, there is Owen Wilson's character, Charlie. Charlie is a math teacher, you know, of of little tykes. He is divorced. His daughter, you know, he splits custody with his former wife. And his daughter, you know, he wants her to be a part of the math team that he's the coach of. His daughter doesn't quite want to do it. Why not? I mean, she has the talent. What's that about? What's their relationship going through? But at the school is the principal, I believe, Sarah Silverman plays Parker. And Parker is the biggest fan of Kat. She's going to this concert and she invites Charlie to go with her. Also, the daughter goes. Now, while at this concert, Parker has a sign with Marry Me on it. Parker loves herself some cat. So they're there to witness this big old, you know, wedding on a concert stage, which makes absolutely no sense. Now, something happens, and this wedding ain't no clue. Okay? And I won't tell you why, 
But Kat looks into the audience. And for some reason, Charlie has the Mary Me side in his hands. And she says, yes. Now, does he want to marry this woman? He doesn't know she is. I guess it's Jennifer Lopez, so that's enough. I mean, all right. So he eventually makes his way onto the stage. Is he excited? Is he not? I will tell you. It's Owen Wilson. <laughs> okay. You can imagine. And they go through with it. Now, after this. Oh, my she, gosh. I, yeah, she don't know him. And he don't know her. So how are they going to get to know each other? Is it possible? You know, now the thing is, they do strike up a deal where he will go through with it for a specific period of time. Everything in her life is recorded anyway. So this is just to make sure everything makes sense to people. You know, they have their time and then they can move on. But does that happen? And what about Bastian? What's he going to be doing? And all the people around Kat, she has a team. And two main members, her manager, Colin, played by another Game of Thrones vet, John Bradley. And her main assistant, Melissa, played by Michelle Buteau, who don't like nobody. So how is he going to navigate all of this? What's going to happen with his daughter? What about his own career as a math teacher? I mean, he's good at it. (laughs) Can they help each other? Or will they tear each other down? Marry me, marry me. Now, you get a whole bunch of, like, songs and stuff because it's Jennifer she Lopez. She wrote it. This was one of her first, yeah, yeah, this is one of her first where she wrote and did exactly. all the music She's co-writing. He's co-writing. All of that. I found the songs forgettable and a waste of my time. Um, but, you know, if you like just generic pop music from today, that's what it is. Now, we're watching them for, like, three months. That's how long this deal lasts. And as I'm watching this, Raph, I'm going Notting Hill, Notting Hill, Notting Hill. Not quite the same, but in Notting Hill, Julia Roberts plays a megastar who gets together with a normal dude in an interesting circumstance. I was thinking of the baker and the beauty. Um, <laughs> yes, just, yes, that TV you know, show, just, yes. Yeah. Exactly. And you mentioned how McRyan really started the modern rom-com and then it went to Julia Roberts. Now we have J-Lo. Yes. Who knows who's oh, coming next? Oh, of course, next. Julie Roberts. How in the yes. world did I forget your girl? Now, you, but hey, now, you know I ain't going to forget. I know you won't. But Notting Hill, this is not. Mm. It ain't even married at first sight or can't buy me love. Okay. okay. Or forget Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's that. But do you care? That's the question. I, we can have the teeniest bit of depth, just a, a whisper. That's a little bit a real obstacle, not some nonsense. Like, I mean, Owen gets upset by something that it just, it was dumb. Can we like build something that's believable in here so we think that they're in trouble? At least, I mean, we know we're not, they're not. It's a rom-com. We know what's happening here. So you get the modern trappings draped over expected rom-com beats, but that's the fix that many fans of this genre, they're fine with. So if that's you, I would say go out and see this only if you need to be outside for some reason. Otherwise, have friends over. You can semi-enjoy it that way. You'll probably strike up some sort of conversation while you're watching it halfway through. That's more interesting than this. Well, here's the thing. If you're if you're a J-Lo fan, you're going to see this. Like, it doesn't make sense to not see it. So, Peacock. You, know, Peacock. you could do it that way. But if you're a J-Lo fan, do you really want to go to Peacock? 
um, and see it alone. You want to be in the theater so you can, you know, do all of that stuff. Well, let's move on to television. Oh, why watch that sneak peek? It's time for us to talk about a most beloved return Mm. for season four. Can you believe it's four seasons already of this marvelous show? And yes, we're talking about the the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, She's back for season four. And this is coming at you on the 18th as of taping. Prime Video is not letting you binge this season. How dare they? They want you to come back and come back and come back. Mm. So we don't know. Do we know of a season five? We don't know these things. We don't know. So I'm wondering, you know, if they're going to tease us out like this, which is the first time they've done that Mm. for this for this um, series. Right. You know, my question has to be, what are they teasing? Well, we know the crew is back together. We have some of our absolute favorite returns. Of course, Rachel Brosnahan, who plays Mrs. Maisel, the heartbroken, gut-wrenching, ah, not so. She's going to turn the table on you, and you just better be ready for the jabs on the stage. We've got Alice Bornstein, award-winning, both of them are, um... Uh, coming back with Susie, you know, uh, Michael Zegan as Joel, the uh, ex-husband who, the ex-husband who doesn't, you know, usually ex-husbands go away. Do you notice every season he, he yeah. gets closer and closer and closer? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that'll be interesting. And then personally, my favorites. <laughs> 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 we have, um, we have Tony. Yeah. Tony, how do you say his last name? Uh, Shaloub. Shaloub. Okay, I was going to say Shaloub. Tony Shaloub, the highly decorated and awarded Tony, (laughs) who is absolutely one of my favorites, along with Maren Hinkle, who also plays his um, Mrs. Maisel's parents. And then you've got some other highly, highly talented folks in this. Now, Here's the real question for you. Oh. Mrs. Maisel starts off with some rhythm. It's always, it feels like New York on that third shot of espresso. Yeah. That's how that's how the show feels. Mm-hmm. If you're in a, if you're in a musical and you had three shots of espresso, exactly. that's how it feels. Yes. Now there isn't no one versus a song. It just feels like they should. Yes. And we've noticed over the seasons, well, yeah. <laughs> we've noticed one. over the seasons that little tiny spark can fade a little bit. Mm. And what are we left with? The question is with season four. Now that our lovely Miriam has had some success and she's right on the brink mm. of really breaking in, is it fading away? Are we getting away from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Or are we going into some other side storylines that season three had presented us with? Right, yeah. NYC. So here we go, folks. Remember what happened at the end of season three? Remember I do. Midge 
had like her dream job, touring with Shy Baldwin, just mega singer like Nat King Cole. Remember they went to the Apollo, the Apollo Theater. She met Moms Mabley. Oh, did she? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Decided to get on stage and kill. But kill whom? Mm. She went after her boss. And she went after a tender spot. Yeah, very tender. Now, this ain't now. This ain't even yesterday or the week before or last year or last decade. It is decades ago. You can't go after a star on that level and be okay. Mm-hmm. You are threatening his livelihood, meaning you're threatening your own. But this is Midge. Mm-hmm. Midge goes, I killed. Yeah, you killed, but all your stuff is being left on the tarmac. Bye, Shy Baldwin says to her and to her manager, Susie. Now, how does Midge take this? You know she can't accept it. But anybody with a brain goes, of course you got fired. Did you deserve it? Yes. 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 So what's she going to do? Now, look, she comes to an epiphany early on because the only thing that's been released to us, uh, critics, is the first two episodes. That's what releases, as the ref said, on the 18th. She has an epiphany about the kind of comedy she wants to do because she always kills when she just goes off the cuff. When it's planned, it's not quite the same. Susie, get me some gigs and help me do this. Can Susie do this? Now, Susie, remember, is managing someone else, a megastar. But is it the sunset of her career? You'll see how she pops up in this season. You won't expect it. I'm going to tell you that. No. She pops up. uh Uh-huh. And she's sitting on standing. Anyway, so <laughs> Susie is torn between these two. Can she choose? Can she have both? What does she want? But remember what Susie did to get some money with her sister? Remember what they did with Mama's <laughs> house? Those lingering effects are still coming. Because remember, Midge gave her money to Susie to manage, but Susie can't manage money. Mm-mm. Midge needs her money. She has plans for that money. Now, when it comes to her ex-husband, remember he started this club and in the basement there is a certain contingent. How well is his club doing and what does that contingent in the basement think? Mm -hmm. And a certain person who represents them, they have struck up a little romance. What's the state of that? Hmm. Now, remember, when it comes to this ex-husband, he still loves his ex-wife, Joel. He does. Not romantically, but he wants- They're friends. Yeah, Yeah. and that's the mother of his kids. So that's Mm -hmm. how he thinks of it. He wants her to do well. So how is he involved in all the mishigas between Midge and Susie? You'll see. Now, Midge's parents. Remember who they were living with? Because they moved out of their <laughs> Oh, Moved in with somebody else's parents who are still here and are still parents. Crazy. I love them I too. mean, there's this scene early on in, in uh, the season in episode one. They're on the Ferris wheel. Everybody's on a different car, but they're yelling to each other to have a conversation. I mean, this is the marvelous Mrs. Mason. 
So when it comes to Bidget's parents, remember what happened to Mama? Remember she left and then was brought back? Are they coming back to that? I won't tell you. And remember what happened to Dad? He was a professor. Now he's working for a certain downtown newspaper. They may not pay well, but does he enjoy it? He is now going to be a critic of theater as he found his calling late in life. And has Midge found a way to keep all of them close by? I won't tell you what that means. Now, with all of that said, we also have Lenny Bruce. He doesn't pop up yet. I, I'm waiting for him. Is he still alive? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was struggling last season. <laughs> Where's Lenny? I hope he shows up later on in the season. So we love based him. on these first two episodes. At the start, it was forced. But they found it again during the second half of the first episode. Now, this show is all about being annoyed. They're annoying. They are annoyed. And that's fine. There's also a lack of accountability, especially on Midge. I mean, you're going to have to grow up and look in the mirror. So here's the thing. She is still in her head. Everybody needs to do for her. That's the character. That's fine. The question is... What are we rooting for? Now, this is still mm-hmm. sprightly. The cast, they it's just a well-oiled machine. But that's my question watching. I don't know what I'm rooting for. What do I really want for Midge and everybody else? They're kind of losing it. So I hope that this snaps back into focus. But remember what the ref said. I mean, if you haven't started watching this yet, think like what the ref said. It's a musical without a lot of me. You, you'll get that with... People who actually sing will sing, but outside of that, it's no music. It is comedy, but it's that kind of rhythm. It's that kind of world, but it's a New York musical. Well, let's just cap that with a, another sneak peek that you got a chance to see. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Severance, and it comes out February 18th, excuse me, on Apple TV+. Plus. And it is coming to us um, from the directing mind and world of Ben Stiller. Mm. Mm. It is a cast that you would just dream of having. Uh, specifically, you have uh, Deshin Lackman, you have Patricia Arquette, Adam Scott, Christopher Walken, John Turturro, on and on. Yeah. Solid cast. What's going on here? Uh, That's the question. What is going on here now? Okay. You start the series seeing a woman laid out on like a boardroom table with a little speaker on it. Someone speaks to her, wakes her up. She's alarmed. She doesn't know how she got there. She doesn't know what's going on. And this voice asks her some questions where you go, what are these questions about? Why are they asking it? Like, what's your name? She can't come up with these answers. Who's the president? What's going on? Now we find out that there is this company, Lumen. And Lumen was founded by Keir Egan years ago. And Keir 
I mean, he's kind of like a religious figure. I mean, he has a whole huge handbook of things to do with sayings and everything else. Is this a cult? Now we find that Lumen produces all kinds of things in the real world, but what they've pioneered is the title, Severance. It's a procedure, get this everybody, where if you go in, your work self, that part of your brain will be separate from the rest of your brain. So imagine you drive to work, you go in, you don't remember working. You come out, that's when you come back and you're like, oh, it's time to go. You don't remember work at all, none of it. What about your work self? So if you flip it, your work self, when that person comes into consciousness, they're at work and they leave. Then they go out of consciousness. Their whole life is work. So you don't know who they are. They don't know who you are, but it's the same body. It's just, they've separated that part of your brain. So would you be thinking about your any, they call it, the person at work? And is your any thinking about you, the Audi? Can they communicate? What if they want to quit? Who has the power? And why would anybody submit themselves to that procedure? What would it take? And what's going on with this lumen? Why do they have this? Because what happens is we have Adam Scott's character, Mark. He's the lead. And he's just gotten a new role at a certain department at Lumen. Now, this department, you're not going to know what it means, but it's macro data refinement. They don't even know what it means. They're sitting at like old school computers, but when are we? I mean, if they could do this procedure, when in time are we? And they're doing this stuff with numbers. What does it mean? I, I don't know. They don't know. They have all kinds of theories. And by they, he has two other colleagues with him. One played by John Turturro, Irving. And another played by Zach Cherry, Dylan. And a new one played by Britt Lower, Helly. Now, the four of them have quotas to meet, and their boss is played by Patricia Arquette. They also have a man who kind of checks in on them, named Milchick. He has a smile on his face, but is his eyes, are they involved in the smile? Mm -hmm. They also have other employees who make sure that everybody follows the rules. And what happens if you break a rule? There's also a certain person who is kind of like an HR rep, but also a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So you might have to meet with her. There's also a representative of the board of Lumen. We never see this board, but we see her. She's like the public face of this company because this severance procedure is controversial. So what is going on with her when she pops up? Because she'll show up and Patricia Arquette, the two of them. <laughs> also, is everybody severed? Is it possible that you're not? And this is just one department of Lumen. There are other departments. How many? We don't know. How big is the building where they work? The severed floor. We don't know. But one character that they do encounter is played by Christopher 
I was waiting. I was like, okay, let's get to Chris. Oh, <laughs> he's playing Bert G. And these two departments, because he's the head of another, they have a long history and it ain't good. Now, Dylan doesn't like them at all. And Bert's right-hand woman, she's looking at them every time they show up like, wait a minute. But Bert and Irving, they are have some of the same interests. Because this department that Bert runs, they essentially come up with all of the art that Lumen does and all of the artifacts they have. And so they share that kind of artistic sensibility. What does that even mean? Now, when it comes to Mark, we do see him as an Audi. The others, we don't. And he has a certain neighbor. Who is this neighbor? That's a, just a nosy person. Why? He has a sister who's pregnant and a brother-in-law. And this brother-in-law is a guru. He writes self-help books. The latest one is the You You Are. <laughs> okay. Okay. And Mark is like, you know, I can't take this seriously. But Mark has been in a funk for a long time. Why? Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. connected to why he has been severed. But somebody comes into his life. A character called Petey, played by Yul Vasquez. My boy. Petey has some information for Mark about his any life. And this starts a cascade of events. How does Petey know this? What is going on? If you're severed, is there any way to make those connections come back together? They severed your whole thing. So the more you go down this rabbit hole, the more you learn and the more you want to know, some things make more sense. Some things you go, wait, that's an unanswered question. And by the end of season one, what in the world is going to be revealed and not revealed? Oh my goodness. Well, there that is. Now, another thing to keep in mind is for Mark and his sister, they are very close. His sister wants him to be happy. She introduces him to her midwife and this whole thing goes on, played by Nikki M. James. What's going on with that? Because are they going to have a connection or not? What kind of connection? And what's really going on with all these people? I can't tell you exactly. Do not tell us. But what I will say about severance is this. Watching this at the beginning, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of like an off oddball workplace comedy. It's almost if you think of the work scenes in Fight Club, it's almost like that with a lighter feel. Mm. So you're you're watching it going, okay. And as a workplace comedy where you're going, all right, if you sever yourself, why? Like, how does that work? It's fun. It's interesting. You're like, what's going on? But this, they call it a thriller. Where's that coming in? And as you roll through, it's not just about the workplace. It's also making fun of academia in certain moments. Because there's this early scene where they have a non-dinner dinner like there's you get around with people and you like it's a you know a dinner 
you're supposed to be having with friends, but there's no food. Like they make fun of some of this stuff in academia. You'll see what that means. But in the end, it does have thriller moments as well. How? Okay. Why? What's going on? Mm. Does it all work? Now, yes! Can I just tell you? I mean, get there. Jeez, you really, I mean, let's go. Okay. Can I just tell you that this is one of the most successful first seasons of a television show? Okay. Is it perfect? I wouldn't no. say perfect. Maybe I would get rid of one episode out of nine. But the whole time I was watching it going, what is happening? I want to know. And they tell you and you go, okay, what does that mean? And then you keep learning more and more. And by the end, if you make it to episode nine, you're going to go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I actually watched this and then I watched it again just to see how they pieced it together. So what I would say is if you like Patriot on Prime Video, maybe. I talked about the work scenes of Fight Club. Homecoming, maybe. That kind of thing. Then this might be for you. I think for creator Dan Erickson, you talked about Ben Stiller, Raf directing. He directed the first three and last three episodes. I mean, this is a jigsaw puzzle that I wanted to put together. I'm interested in season two. What's going to happen? And when we, when we got to the end of season one, I knew where we had to go. But even when it ended, I went, <gasps> so Severance, I think, I mean, since maybe like Gamora, even though it has nothing to do with Gamora, this is a first season that really I, I was astonished by that it was actually put together because this is stuff that shouldn't work, but it does. All right, there you have that. We have reviewed a lot of different kinds of media as well as different genres within you got a lot to choose from you have a lot to sift through we're gonna let you do that but you stay here at why watch that we got a lot more to talk about so how about that thanks for listening for additional resources Visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.